Hey everyone, it's Joe. Welcome to another episode of the Future Business Analyst podcast. My guest today is Yulia Kosarenko, owner of Why Change Consulting Inc., professor at Humber College in Toronto. She's the author of the book Business Analyst, A Profession and a Mindset, as well as being a conference speaker, a consultant and a trainer. In fact, another all-round business analysis enthusiast. Welcome to the show, Yulia. Thank you, Joe. It's great to be here. Yeah, no, it's great to have you here. Uh, the place I usually like to start with these is your start, your start in um, business analysis, how you first got involved in the pro um, profession and what it is about the profession that, that keeps you going, keeps you involved. So perhaps you can share your, your starting story with us. Uh, of course, it depends how far back I should go with that. But if I were to go to the very beginning, it all started with a book on programming from a local library, a book on Fortran many, many, many years ago, which uh, really made me interested in uh, information technology. And I ended up going into computer science degree. I was really interested in programming and I thought I'm going to be a programmer, but then things got you know, a little boring. I ended up getting involved with, I guess, business side of things all the time and asking questions and working with stakeholders. And I was unhappy being just a developer. And then when I moved to Canada, I decided it's time to figure out what I truly want to do. So I did some personality surveys. I went to see a career consultant. We had a lot of chats. And then somehow from all these conversations, I figured out business analysis sounds great because it allows me to work with people so the truly the pivoting point for me was that i like to work with people and i like to understand why am i doing things or why do you need to do a certain change or write a program and um, that's why i started so i took a few courses i got my first job as a ba and from then on ba bsa elite ba business architect and I, I could never give up so I'll always be I guess a business analyst at heart even when I see when you know I'm buying the tickets and things don't work or I'm going on a website and there's a strange label and I get all upset and I say you have a good business analyst <laughs> yeah I think that I think that's in us all you know a lot of blogs a lot of posts are always about these experiences that we have um, where they don't go quite how we might like them to go that sort of logic or that experience i think that's that's wonderful and it and it, and it sounds like um a lot of people fall into this job it is quite accidental but i'm hearing a slightly different story from you that that this was a very conscious decision um based on certainly some of the experiences that you'd had in programming and, and similar roles and it sounds like because you say you were sort of working in the business but you had this programming you sort of already had that that balance of perhaps the two sides of a business analyst when you got into the role yeah i think i had both i ended up realizing that if i worked on the technical side i always so to speak put my nose into business side of things and at times when i ended up working for business i was always interfering with what developers did and wanted to know what they're doing and talk to them so i was always in the middle and i always wanted to see both sides and how they interact 
which literally then I realized sounds like business analysis. That's exactly what it, what it is for. So I think it, it was partially a conscious choice because I did go through that exercise of career counseling. Okay. But partially it was just realization that I don't want to give up on technology, on understanding how programming works. I'm still interested. But I don't want to give up on working with people. I couldn't sit in a cubicle all day and, and program, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think the first question I want to, to, to come to you with based on, on, on that little background that you shared is... I suppose, first of all, you've been in this this role a little while, um, you know, back sort of analyst programmer days. That's sort of what I'm picking up. And maybe over time, you, you've got experience of what the business analyst job is. You've also dropped in a few different job titles there. Some were probably synonyms for the business analyst. Some are, are roles that, that dovetail, like, like the architect. But, but given that you, you, you've spent some time in this profession, have you seen the definition of business analysis change from sort of then until now and then the follow-up question would be do you do you maybe see the business analyst job role changing from now into the future and what might those changes that you've seen be and those ones you foresee be yeah yeah it's interesting i think that earlier on especially as uh i guess early business analysts were evolving from requirements engineer role or even just you know um, software engineer role Business analysis definition was probably more software oriented. It was more about software requirements, defining requirements, capturing, documenting them. And gradually it evolved to look more at the business side and uh, starting with understanding the business needs first and then trying to translate it into requirements. So I think they probably the BSAO system analyst role probably is a little older in that sense because at that time really it was interaction of requirements for software engineer with business directly even at some point i worked in a company where i was business systems analyst but i had a business analyst counterpart and i think now really this definition becomes a little bit closer to business to understanding business needs. Because again, even if you think about software engineering itself, it evolved. Nobody writes uh, in code anymore. We, our software languages and the exercise of coding becomes more high level. So it becomes closer to natural language and it becomes more about problem definition. And I think that impacts B-roll as well. And now, again, if you think in the past, so many projects involved only one system. So you ended up a system analyst, you work on one system, you write use case specifications for that system, you create sequence diagrams for that system. But it's so different now because if you look at the typical landscape of even medium-sized company, let alone big company, it's so complex. There are so many different products and systems interacting. So it's more not about system analysis, it's about developing solutions. Mm. And a solution for business, and I, I know I'm, I'm threading into architecture, but I think yeah. that's because business analysis is coming closer. We were even talking about it in my circle today. What's the difference between system and solution? It's not the same thing. Solution to um, 
support business capability may include 10 systems, 15 integrations, five external sources, and so many processes, right? So business analysts now are, are concerned with solutions that support business capabilities. And that can be much bigger than just, you know, being an expert in one system and how that works. Yeah, and uh, I, I mean, I, as I was listening to you, I was seeing you sort of um, transfer into, into sort of enterprise architecture, maybe business architecture, that kind of thing, because it is hugely important. As you say, things used to be simpler, and these days they're much more complex. And when we introduce something new, we need to un understand, A, what we're introducing, and B, the landscape that we are introducing it to. So I'm definitely picking up, from you that, that that you see sort of um closer ties with between sort of business analysis and, and business architecture and of course they, they share a lot of the same thinking and a lot of the same um skills are there any other trends that you see um coming along aside uh, business architecture Absolutely. And I know that there's one trend that definitely is on everyone's mind uh, nowadays, and that's data analytics and AI and machine learning. Uh, that definitely is an important trend. Um, I don't think that AI will replace business analysts. I think, if anything, business analysts need to become more of an advisor to business in terms of the limitations of AI, its capabilities, but also limitations and uh, what inputs to create so that you get, I guess, outputs from this new technology. So I think business analysts uh, need to be um, very savvy of new technologies being developed and how they can be used to solve business problems. AI is just one of them, but definitely there are others. And I think the human aspect of business analysis profession is not only going away, it's becoming even more important because we interact with human beings on projects we do things together we collaborate we facilitate um, that uh, meetings interactions and someone has to do that that's that becomes even more important our projects become more um transcend countries now transcend time zones transcend different cultures mm. so i think that that element of uh, bringing people together and creating shared understanding of what's the problem and shared understanding of how we want to solve it is a crucial role and it will only grow. There were some great points in there, um, Yulia. Uh, I first loved how you, you, you framed AI. Um, you know, it's not going to replace us. That's sort of talking towards AI being a competitor, right? Competing with us um, over something. But you you reframed it as being one of the many solution options that might be available to, to solve a business problem. So it becomes a tool for us in that sense, right? Perhaps a tool for us as business analysts that we can use to do our work, but also a tool for business so that they can run their operations in, in better ways. Um, I can also hear that you've put some thought into this. So, so, so let's go down a, li a little path here before we come back to some of the other stuff. Can you maybe give us some examples of how you see AI supporting the BA role and what we do? 
I'll tell you what I'm dreaming of and hoping oh. for that AI can do for, for all business analysts. <sighs> Documentation, dare I say <laughs> that? <laughs> yeah. To me, again, and maybe because you can say I'm old school, you know, I'm, I'm from the school that values documentation, and I still do, and I think that without documentation, our communication suffers because misinterpretations, ambiguities come into play, and we all know how no, nobody likes to do documentation, nobody likes to take meeting notes, and it sometimes falls through the cracks, so you'll have that long, long meeting, and you'll have a video recording of that meeting, but there are no notes, there are no summary. Who is going to rewatch the recording to extract like three important nuggets? So honestly, even if we could just use AI to summarize meetings for us, to summarize documentation, to help with the research and information collection, I think this is going to be truly a huge help from an intelligent tool. Uh, because making conclusions from those notes uh, may require thinking where uh, business analysts can bring additional value, but that more mechanical work that we all realized, uh, like the language summarization and extraction of important points that AI tools can do well, I think that could help. And imagine if it freed up analysts from all the tedious tasks of capturing things you know how sometimes they say, oh, how can you facilitate a meeting without a scribe? So imagine AI is doing all this intelligent scribing, smart scribing, but you are still the one who goes um, to the trenches, so to speak. So because AI, if you think about it, AI can only re regurgitate information that was already collected, right? It just yeah. processes it, it looks for the most probable outcomes. Yeah. So it's, it's all secondary information. Yeah. And they, you, uh, as analyst, you can get new primary information. You can observe the process. You can listen to customers. You can look at customer service. You can speak to your business. So you can gather new information uh, to have some fresh ideas and thoughts. And then I think we all need to learn how to use AI as a tool for us to be more productive so that we can do, I guess, more high-level thinking tasks. Yeah, it's it's sort of like hard labor, isn't it? Sometimes mm -hmm. that that documentation, and it and it will yeah. be wonderful to be able to um, to have some support with that. I think the the caveat is that that support must be good. You and I were talking about transcriptions um, before the show yeah. started and the accuracy around um, spelling and things. So obviously, we're still at risk of perhaps. The, the products that AI produce being a little substandard, not just misspellings, but like you say, if it's trying to find those nuggets, it's trying to highlight the salient points for us, we are going to perhaps need to check its work. I mean, certainly at the beginning, I know that this is going to evolve over time and, and get better. And, and that started to make me think, it's like, you know, in the past we produced documentation and the idea is that we then have a peer that we can give that work to and they can cast their eye mm. over it, you know, mm -hmm. and, and maybe point out some things we don't see. So maybe we need to sort of peer review AI's work going forward and sort of we just see a little shift in the responsibility on documentation. Is that something that you maybe see happening? Yeah, no, definitely. I think that's a great idea. And it probably even goes both ways because 
we need yeah. to cross track what AI has produced, but also we can use AI to validate our own uh, documentation. Um, and I think of one company where I started my B career here in Canada, we had a really good system of peer reviews. We had a big, large group of analysts. We had a rotation and it was like a community work. Like you had to review someone's work one, a couple of times a month because and as I am writing it, I don't see my own contradictions because I'm kind of yeah. deep in that thinking. It's like similar to you know discussion we just had whether it's okay to be a BA and QA in a split role. I know that sometimes happens, but if you think about it, I like my QA partner to catch my mistakes, mm. right? And sometimes a good QA will say, hey, this doesn't make sense. Oh, I can't test this. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> but if you are doing both roles, you don't see it, right? Because it, yeah. you, you just wrote it. You think it, it's total. And same with peer reviews. Uh, AI can probably catch some contradictions yeah. and gaps. I hope so. Yeah. Or we probably can train it. Imagine if you had the tool that you are training uh, to look for certain things, that you have that feedback loop going when you cross-reference it, and then it's learning what you're looking for. So I think it's both ways we can definitely use it. I agree we have to check things. And you know, as analysts, probably we are doing it anyway. But just having a, someone else to do summarization and then us review that, I think it would be huge, huge boost in terms of productivity and also in helping us maybe see our own shortcomings. Yeah. And it might also stop people saying we need a scribe. Where's the BA? You know, they can they can maybe oh, point to somebody else yes. to do it. Um, yes. What sort of um, what sort of skills are we going to need going going forward? I'm 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 sort of trying to think. What you said earlier, I feel like you used the word creativity, but I, I, I'm not sure if I was replacing one of your words with my words. You, you mentioned people at the beginning and that we can get some support here. Um, so if some of those things are taken away from us, what sort of skills are going to come to the fore? Are they skills that we've already got or are there going to be some new skills that we need to develop as well? Uh, I'm sure there will be new skills we will need to develop. Some of them we may realize, some of them we may not realize yet. We just have to be, I guess, constantly assessing it. Definitely, I guess the skill of using AI tools is a skill. We need to practice it. It's on my long list of things to practice more <laughs> and kind of figure out how I can do it. Um, I think one of the skills we already have that I want to emphasize, I believe we will need it going forward until AI can do it. And I don't know, it, it doesn't do it yet, is modeling, is creating models and diagrams. Because yeah. AI is not good at creating pictures. And uh, I've read some interesting experiments done about it and, you know, pretty big fails, so to speak. Okay. So I think that ability to draw on screen to make a simple picture as you're, say, you're brainstorming or you're trying to understand the context of a problem or just drawing a mind map, it is still a mostly human ability. So until AI learns how to do it even better, and I'll believe it when I see it, I think that becomes a very, very critical issue. Because if you think about 
anything that we can express in language, whether we write requirements or whether we put um, user stories in a backlog or whether we get AI to summarize, you know, 200 v uh, hours of videos for us, it's still expressed as language. And whenever we have large volumes of language for our brain, it's very hard to understand the structure of all that content, to understand the interconnection between pieces, even if there are headings and subheadings still. And most of all, I think it's hard for us to assess validity and completeness and contradictions when it's just a lot of text. Our brains and also AI brains, I, I don't think always can catch that. So creating diagrams and models help us to establish connections between pieces and, and see the structure better and determine if something is missing. Because once you put it in a picture, you suddenly say, oh, I, how about this? There seems to be an empty space here. So that ability to model not only is still important, but I think becomes even more important for us in business analysis process, because it, we always needed it. We need it even more now because of the complexity of the problems we are facing. And also because sometimes there's text just becomes overwhelming, you know? Yeah. I'm glad you pulled it back to modeling. Um, after you spoke last, I had about three questions in my head and I probably went with the wrong one into skills. So I'm actually going to pull it back a little bit to modeling. So I was going to say to you from that documentation that you were talking about, like handing that documentation over, I was thinking quite narrowly, but quite deliberately narrowly about requirements, requirements, documents, user stories, that kind of like paperwork. But I do think there is opportunity to get into modeling, whether it's a data model or a process model. You lifted it up a bit bit higher to that sort of initial sort of rich picture, mind map mm -hmm. kind of stuff. But and if I think about analysis, there's sort of two main parts to it. I know I'm going to summarize this probably too simply for many people now, but there's logic and there's creativity. Those are essentially the two two parts of it. And um, you were mentioning at the beginning that it was that logical approach, that problem solving that sort of attracted you to get into the role. And I do feel like AI can probably play a part with logic, okay? Because logic is like maths in a way, and something like AI should be able to do engineering structures where there's fixed rules and guidelines as long as it's got those rules and it knows those dependencies and it and it knows the language to to speak in back so do you do, do you think we could maybe reach a point where some of those diagrams that we typically produce as part of systems analysis are getting initial straw man versions um, delivered by ai I certainly think it's possible. I would never want to um, say no because I don't truly know all the capabilities of AI and probably we don't know. So I believe that we will experiment with it and we should because anything that we can you know, make, create to make us more productive should be useful. Probably uh, we can separate, you know, that creativity as you talked about rich pictures, that level of creativity comes from us coming up with analogies or maybe some cultural representations, right? So yeah. choosing a picture where some like synonyms, it's like using figures of speech, but sometimes we're still more proficient than AI because of the, you know, 
maybe we have a little private joke in our company and this is how we usually drill things but i think more structured models mm. and i'm thinking more about systems analysis and design probably um things like data models i mean hopefully i know we can generate auto generate erds mm. but going a little into conceptual modeling it wouldn't be nice if we could analyze uh, say and like a whole bunch of knowledge-based information, like mm. user manuals, instructions, everything yeah. else, and generate a conceptual model out of that. It, it probably is realistic. I certainly would be interested in seeing how it develops. And uh, again, maybe just as a tool, and then you look at it and you validate it and you add things to it, or maybe you reconnect things or rename things, but, um, it might actually point you to something you are missing because as humans, I think just because of limitations in our processing capacity, we can't hold too many things in our brains. That's that's why we have Definitely. to experts. Yeah. So if, if, if it's a very complex landscape and for example, if the timing is short and if you need to, or, you know, I was just, uh, one of my uh, analysts in my previous meeting was just mentioning, hey, what do I do if I get involved she gets assigned to a new project when almost all design is done and they're getting mm -hmm. into testing. How I quickly catch up. Wouldn't be nice if she had a mind map that would yeah. help her grab the right knowledge at the right time. So I think we are getting uh, actually draw more to knowledge management, yeah. which, which I think requirements management is a very good foundation to build knowledge management for an enterprise on. So AI, I think, is a very good tool to experiment with knowledge management because it's another thing just like documentation that all organizations say they want to have and nobody spends time on because mm. it's hard to prove the roi and then you end up with a lot of knowledge you know in the brains of people and yeah. in the code and none of it in an easily accessible way yeah yeah and it's always done later on when somebody actually needs to know that for some future implementation um i also think you know part of what we do is about coming up with solution solution options there are you know a bit of an english phrase here but there are many ways to skin a cat i don't know if you're yeah. familiar with that phrase but um there are different options so i feel like as well because of this logic we could throw some stuff at it and it could come up with different permutations different versions of things and then that's something for us to um to sift and sort through but let's come to this word human i feel like we've we've perhaps covered the machine world for now um yeah, I think there's a lot of back background research that can be done with AI. I think it can take away a lot of the grunt work. As you highlighted there, it's sort of a consolidation of stuff that's already known, that's in the past, that's knowledge, that's not new. And part of the traits of the human is the ability to come up with some new, that creative stuff. Um, do, do, do you see, um, and you talked earlier about, you know, getting closer and closer to the face of the business. How do you see the BA role evolving? Do you see it changing? Do you see our responsibilities growing when it comes to business, when it comes up to creativity? Yeah, it's it's an interesting question. And, um, you know, uh, sometimes I see business analysts becoming too distant from business and I have this picture that I used in one of my articles of just peaks of the sky, 
skyscrapers above the clouds and you are somewhere up there and you have very vague idea of what is truly happening in business. And I think that sometimes our projects fail and our requirements don't hit the mark when we're too far away. Or we, we expect product owner to know everything. And that product owner has been on the ground five years ago. So I think that the further we are from the real, from the trenches, from the field, from the manufacturing floor, the harder it is for us to see. So we also, like AI, become just processors of pre-processed information that someone collected for us. So perhaps this is where our, because if you think about it, we can uh, gather new information with all of our senses, right? We, we have the auditory senses, we can see things, we can listen. Maybe we are going to be more like investigative reporters that actually go and see what's happening. Because if you think what, what's happening with the news today, you know, a few reporters report on the news and then 300 different news engines just reproduce the same news from secondary information. So maybe that observing or that immersion or talking to customers is what is needed to bring fresh data into this world of, because yeah, we will have lots of tools to process the data, but mm. if you don't feed it with fresh data, with new ideas, we're just gonna be uh, kind of in the rut and just uh, spinning our wheels in place. So I think that definitely maybe one of the directions is being more observer and experimenter. Mm. And I think that also allows you to maintain that human connection with people uh, other than just sitting somewhere in the office and, uh, you know, reviewing um, information. On the other hand, I mean, we, we should be using data more. So that's another interesting, I think, development for the future. If you think of 10 years ago, 20 years ago, whenever you ask business analysts, what do they do? The first thing they mentioned would be process models, right? Yeah, exactly. EPMN, I create process models, which is, which is very important. We still do that. We still need to do that. But if you think about it, we develop process models from from the words of other people, from secondary information, or maybe from observation, and we are, we're observing just one of the many possible paths. So things like process mining, for example, mm. can completely change how you look at process modeling and process analysis. Or instead of us uh, describing using words, if the analysis and all the decision points in the process, maybe we are going to start using embedded analytics more and get data so I think we can use some of the abilities to use data instead of just these uh, like logic and derivation rules to completely change how we manage some of this process optimization. Um, so it's interesting, right? On one side, we use more and more tools and technology and data. On the other side, we, we don't want to lose that human connection aspect. I think that would be very dangerous. Well, it is, and I, and as you're speaking, I'm thinking that, that that's really the risk that you're you're highlighting. If we if we sort of come back to the to one of the the questions that's probably on people's lips at the moment, it's you know, will AI replace my my job? You know, am I at risk of 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 being automated by AI? And as you're talking, I'm realizing the answer to that is yes. If you don't bring any human elements into your work, as you say, if you're just that person in the back office, you're sort of processing stuff, you're that knowledge worker, then yes, 
there is a chance that that part of your job is at risk. And unless you start to get more customer focus, more at the coal face, getting out off your bum behind the desk onto the shop floor, then, then there's a chance. There is a chance. Yeah. And maybe that's where if you can go and go deviate a little bit into decision support, because truly, I mean, uh, we need AI, we need data and we need business analysis. A lot of times, truly, what is the, the outcome of that is making better business decisions, yeah. right? So, um, and, and that, I guess, um, the reason I also thought about it is because of bias. Because if you think about what else we need humans for when we use AI, is we need to constantly be monitoring for bias. Because AI and machine learning is a little bit like self-fulfilling prophecy. It keeps trending towards the average or the larger group. Yeah. And that's where models become biased. Well, who is going to monitor for bias and how we will monitor it? Maybe that's where we need humans and higher critical mm. thinking to constantly monitor and evaluate um, any models that we use for biases for basically discriminating against exceptional yeah. cases. There is an excellent book on the topic. It's called Weapons of Mass Destruction. Uh, which really looks into this exceptional cases, how sometimes the model on average performs really well, but it can truly hurt some individual people that just don't fit it. So I think that if we think about uh, decision augmentation versus decision automation, this is where we need humans, where AI may be capable of solving, say, 80% of straightforward cases, but we need to be able to segregate the cases that need review, that need human review, because maybe uh, if we automate that, they will be falling um, uh, to the bias of the model. So somehow we need to make sure that that monitoring and constant adjustment to avoid bias, to use new information, it needs to be managed by people who are, uh, let me say, smarter than AI. <laughs> yeah. And maybe that's where business analysts can stand is um, identifying when we need a human eye. For example, you know, if, if you're a judge, how much fidelity is good enough for you to allow AI to make um, a decision in a court case? Is it 99% or is it 95% or is it 90% or is it 99.9? And who is going to look at the, the borderline cases? So same, I think, with business decisions and I think it's just worth a lot of research to ident identify which part of, um, I guess, the the automation is valid and where do we need to pay even more attention because of the tendency of AI models to fall a victim to bias. Yeah, um, I, I agree. It's sort of... It, it, it's based on what it's based on. So it's like bias in, bias out, a bit like garbage in, garbage yeah. out, right? So so some of the questions that we need to be asking is what is the background of this particular AI tool? Where, What's its foundation? Where did it get its information from? And also making sure um, that when we ask that question, we're not asking that question with a bias, that we're not looking for particular sources, that we've got some diversity in there, that it's holistic, that it's inclusive. Yes. Yes, I'm And um, augmented decisions, um, business intelligence, 
that kind of thing because we don't want to necessarily leave those decisions to AI because I guess some people might be looking to to AI and tools to, to give them decisions and it's almost like I mean I've always felt that BAs are a little bit fearful of, of data um, usually in the SDLC phase when it comes to modeling it as you say was sort of I do the processes I perhaps don't step into into data as much and now that that responsibility is extending isn't it sort of beyond the product in order to support the business. Yeah, I think that'd be really good. Um, let's let's come back a bit. Sort of next question, um, following on from before, you talked about um, maybe getting up from behind a desk, going out in the coalface. What do you think a typical, I know there's no such thing as a typical day because every day is never the same for a business analyst, <laughs> but what might a typical week or month be like for, for a BA? Yeah, uh, definitely much less sitting at the desk, for sure. Uh, all the typing and reviewing documentation, I think, is changing drastically. So perhaps all of us will have our own AI assistant that we can you know, talk to as we are going about and observing and communicating. Or maybe even, who knows, maybe at some point AI can take videos and analyze the content of that, probably not unrealistic. So I think we are um, going to the places, I guess, where we can gather new information, which could be talking to real people, talking to experts. Um, you know, maybe you are, um, I don't know, going to the store, going to the supermarket, or um, talking to, to experts. It, it honestly sounds a little bit like investigative journalism mm. in a way and um communication with people so that facilitation aspect engaging people uh, perhaps we don't have traditional meetings where everyone sits and looks at the powerpoint desk right uh, hopefully that wow. will be a thing of the past yes <laughs> but you still need to create discussions so uh, we talked about solutions option a little right and this is where sometimes you need that creativity. You need to look at your problem from a very different angle to come up with a different solution. So maybe that brainstorming aspect or um, talking to your stakeholders, trying to truly understand the essence of their problem, um, to understand the root causes or explain to them um, the results, for example, of preliminary analysis to help them you know, generate the next level of questions or give you more information. So I think it's still a little bit sounds like that translation of technology outputs mm -hmm. for business. I think what probably will change, I hope what will change is the level at which BEs will communicate. I hope they will communicate much more with middle and senior executives. Because today, I think there is a tendency that BA is an order taker. PM will tell them what to do. They'll just go ahead and execute it. But PMs don't necessarily, it's not their job to get into the essence of business problems, right? That's what BAs do. So BAs hopefully will be talking more to, say, executive sponsor, to interview them, to truly understand the, the I guess, the essence of that problem or the, the opportunity that they want to capitalize on. And on the other hand, become more of advisors 
to their business sponsors rather than order takers because they understand the capabilities of technology better. They understand the um, landscape of the company, the complexity, the different projects, because of course they talk to other business analysts, they exchange knowledge and information. They know what's mm. going on. So they can help business, their sponsors to formulate better requirements because they, they advise them. So they, I think the role of internal consultant uh, should be more on our mind, not just someone who runs around capturing user stories. Yeah. Um, internal management consultant, trusted advisor, um, definitely. And I almost think not not just necessarily helping to shape requirements, but to shape goals, shape objectives, to to unpack the critical success factors, you know, the KPIs that that support yeah. them and really drive out some of that strategic stuff because it's about business change, isn't it? It's the end in yeah. mind. And the end in mind is yeah. Increase in revenue, more customers, more customers giving repeat business, and it would be wonderful if we if we could take that. I mean, a phrase I've used in the past, and it's more of a a, a mantra perhaps that that I by repeating may come true rather than a reflection of how things are right now. But I feel like BAs could be the CEO's army, you know, unleashed on the organisation to to go forth to have a look around and to come up with yeah. some of those creative um, ideas. Yeah, no, absolutely. I like it. It's like the, you know, the agent that you, um, you know, you inject in your blood and then goes around and checks everything, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, like that. Um, and a word that's possibly not been said yet, but I think it's coming through. In order to do that, inquisitiveness, curiosity right we've we've got to want yeah. to poke our nose in yes yes we want to we want to get that primary information right to do the research to ask questions and to um i guess not be afraid of what we can find because the challenge was that is you're gonna you may find a skeleton or you may find a pr bigger problem than what you expected so i think that inquisitiveness um, comes along with, you know, you need a little bit of a bravery to yeah. go against, uh, maybe against the group thing and um, standing up if you discovered something and you disagree maybe with the direction or you know how sometimes projects, the scope gets um, cascaded down from above, but maybe what you discover invalidates some of it or requires that it's expanded and it's sometimes scary to speak up. Um, so I think that that internal advisory role also is to help you be able to be more vocal because based on, on the nature of your work, you can you can actually discover some strange or interesting or important things faster than anybody else because you're, you're digging around, right? You're like, mm. uh, you're poking your microphone everywhere, you're going, you're looking into things, opening up the dustbins and so on on so you may be discovering things just like journalist or investigator but what are you going to yeah. do with those discoveries because they may be important so i think also uh, being a, i guess more brave and maybe that's part of what leaders and industry need to keep supporting that so that yeah. business analysts are you know, a little bit more empowered and not scared to do that because eventually it, it it is all for the benefit and i think that if i were to try and 
I guess, summarize what analysts need to be striving for it's, it's to uh, reduce waste. I mean, if you think about the typical organization, there is so much waste for various reasons, political, historical, economical, but we are all wasting resources and money and time everywhere. Yeah. And that's not a good thing for us as humanity. So I think business analysts are in a good position to try and help reduce waste in businesses, which, you know, yeah in turn hopefully will help everybody else yeah no it will um and i feel like there's some irony in there because organizations are about trying to get rid of waste but at the same time they actually create alternative waste different waste in parallel they do yeah it's it's it, waste is very difficult to get rid of <laughs> Very, we come up with new creative ways of making waste once we've eradicated the last lot, lot of waste. Um, so inquisitiveness, being that investigator, almost like a detective, I'm thinking we're looking for evidence, right? You've talked about data, so data's going to be evidence of certain things, certain um, facts. You've talked about viewpoints, different perspectives, but also the need to get many people's perspectives so we don't just rely on that one particular person's view on things it's it's about being collective um reducing waste i, I think you've had a great dream today for for business analysis i, I will continue to dream yeah we, we must um i think we must because it, it's through having aspirations of these dreams that I think we are going to be affect some change in this profession. Yeah, and this is why we, we are all doing what we are doing, right? We are speaking and uh, writing and uh, talking about how business analysis should involve. This is why. Yeah, that's no, fantastic. Um, and I think that's a great note to end on, that we need to, to reduce waste and just um, make this profession better and make it better for the organisations and the customers that we do it for. Absolutely, I think so. Well, thank you for being here on the pod with me, Yulia. It's been a lot of fun. It's been um, great talking with you. Thank you, Joe. Great questions, and I enjoyed our chat, and uh, hopefully some of these things will come true soon. I'm sure they will. I wish you the best in growing your business analyst future and those of the people that you help too. Thank you. Thank you.